0: Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. Merry Christmas to you, too. I'm so excited that Christmas is just a couple of uh, weeks away. Um, Actually, that's how I was going to start off my sermon today, was talking about that. Um, Since we are approximately, what, a week out from Christmas, is that about right? So many of us, right, we're trying to contain this excitement of what's to come. Anybody else excited about Christmas but me? Okay. Yes. Okay, so you guys know I'd like for you guys to talk back to me, so please don't leave me up here by myself today. Um, For some of us, it means spending time with our family and friends. Some of us, it's excitement about seeing other people unwrap their gifts. And for some of us, we just want to take time to escape all the chaos of daily life and just relax and breathe. For me, it was... um, the joy of just going to a Christmas production every year with my family to live out what the true meaning of Christmas is because everybody knows that Jesus is the reason for what All right, all right you're with me <laughs> um, and so that was one of the things I thoroughly enjoyed being back home was the fact that not only did we were we able to see these productions but we even had the opportunity sometimes to partake in these productions, um, using our gifts and talents to share the love of Christ with those who might not know him. Then on Christmas day, I always remember the fact of seeing the joy in my kids' eyes when they're opening up their gifts that they weren't expecting, um, right after they had to sing their traditional Christmas song because nobody can open up a gift in their house without singing a Christmas song first. That's the rule. And so one of those, those were some of the traditions that I really love. Um, but then it was another thing that I loved doing was the fact that we had an opportunity as a family to go out into the community, to give meals, to give um, toiletries, to give blankets to those who were in the house. However, a lot has changed over the past couple of years. Um, and as seasons change, Kids get older, they're not excited. Well, you guys don't have kids, but I'm just saying as you got older, the excitement kind of went away a little bit. Um, it wasn't the excitement of, oh, at 11.59, I get to open one gift and then I can open the rest. Oh, that's just my children. Um, but that joy seemed to have changed as they've gotten older. Family seems to be distant now because they're on the other coast. And the capacity to do all the things that we used to do in the Christmas season, somehow we don't always have the time to fulfill those things. So the source of our anticipation just starts to shift a little bit. And I'm not sure if you hear yourself in any of that, but life changes. And when life changes, your um, anticipation of joy changes as well. We do realize that in this holiday season, some of us might not be full of excitement. So that causes us to change our perspective as well, because some people have lost people this year. Some people have lost things, jobs this year. And we have to take that all into account. In this message, I want us to explore, A form of anticipation that um, we will, all of us will have an opportunity to encounter. And it changes our view from an individualistic viewpoint to one that includes others. It's the genesis of joy. It's a genesis of excitement in our lives. And we will do this by following the narrative shown in the word, taking us from the expectancy of Jesus' birth, to the expectancy of his return. We will do this journey through the story of the encounters of, of course, Mary, Elizabeth, John the Baptist, the shepherds, the wise men, and finally, our part, our place as a part of God's story. Their stories will give us a way to an anticipation that's undeniable, it's interchangeable, and it's everlasting. But first, of course, we have our lighting of our Advent candles. And today's candle is the Shepherd candle. And it is pink because today is the day that we go from the solemnness of the um, Advent season to one that anticipates joy. Today is Gaudete Sunday. It is The rejoice or be glad Sunday. We take this day, as I said, from the solemn Advent season to rejoice for the birth of Christ, his place in the redemption story, and his coming again. While the shepherd candle represents the time of rejoicing and joy that the shepherds actually experienced when they heard the good news of Christ's birth so many years ago, yet we still reminisce and embrace the same joy of the good news that we call the Bible and the gospel today. We'll discuss more about their encounter just a little bit later. However, let's go ahead and get on with the lighting of our candle for today. I'm going to ask Carol to come forth and read our Advent scripture and light
1: the candles. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness, he shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. This is the word of the Lord.
0: This scripture that was chosen for today's um, Advent Sunday was chosen because it's a psalm that highlights the praise and the joy unto, God of the, to, unto the God of Israel for the fulfilled promise of redemption and freedom after experiencing decades of captivity under various empires, including the Babylonian rule, the Persian rule, the Greek rule, the Roman rule that was continuous. But moreover, we selected this particular psalm because scholars believe that this is a prophetic psalm, that it speaks into the kingship and the kingdom of the Messiah, but also setting, the setting up of the kingdom on this earth. And the inclusivity of the kingdom extends now not only unto the Jews, but unto us, the Gentiles. Though this is not our main text for today, it will serve as our backdrop to our message because it gives a perspective to an avenue of anticipation that we will um, dive into by understanding the glory of the Redeemer and our posture of anticipation as the redeemed. When speaking on the glory of the Redeemer in this text is to acknowledge him God from the past, present, and the future. The verses 1 through 3 indicate that what God, the God of Israel had done for his people to prophetically speaking into what he will be and will do for all people. To begin with, it says that he has done marvelous things and victories gained in his right hand. And then it says, he has made known his salvation and his righteousness has been revealed in the sight of all nations. Now, as Pastor Garfield mentioned earlier in the series, we are in the years of what? Starts with the F. Favor, yes, yes, yes. We are in the, the year of fa- years of favor and we have seen and experienced his marvelous works we have come into knowledge of his salvation and we have accepted it. And as vessels of his imago day, we live in a place where we actively seek to live out his righteousness, to live right living before all mankind. Then there's this aspect of the joyous redeemed that's those who have received salvation. And in this text, it basically shares how the redeemed should, in fact, respond to salvation. The victories won and the evidence of his glory in their lives. Their response was pure adoration and praise. Their joy was so heightened that David included the imagery that even invited the elements of the earth to respond in praise to all that God had done. Why such a response? Because the God of Israel, Yahweh, had delivered them, reclaimed them, and gave them victory, but also because It said that he will come again to judge, to govern the world with his righteousness and the people in uprightness, which just means equity, evenly. With the birth of Jesus, we went from knowing the Redeemer in this text of being the God of Israel to being God made flesh, Emmanuel. God is with us. And ultimately, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, our savior, and our redeemer. Knowing Jesus was coming, this was a moment of joyous anticipation. (laughs) And if you haven't already guessed it by now, my message has to deal a lot with Anticipation. (laughs) Anticipation is not only about expectation, but to put it simple, anticipation means that we look ahead to what is coming, and we believe with certainty that it will happen. Another way to phrase this is that anticipation and expectation are a matter of faith. Therefore, my message title for today is going to be Joyous Expectation, as you see on the screen. Because, in addition to the term expectation presented, the word joyous is an adjective that means feeling great happiness or causing to feel great happiness and joy. It refers to not a thing or person, but an event. And the story of Christ had many of them. Thus, having joyous and participation is honing, on, honing in on the faith, complete trust and confidence and hope, expectation and desire to see it come to completion. So for the rest of our time together, we're gonna move quickly Um, So hold on to your Bibles. Keep your Bibles near. And we're going to go ahead and dive into the Word of God. But first, let me just go ahead and go open in prayer. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word, to share what you have deposited, Lord God. Lord, I ask you to take this word, Lord God, and make it applicable to each and every person that is sitting in this room, Lord God, that are watching online, Lord God. Lord, I ask that you open their ear gates to hear, you open their hearts to receive, and you open their spirits to be ignited with your word, to not only just be partakers of your work, Lord God, but to be doers of your work word, to be transformed by every word that proceedeth out of your book. Lord, I thank you and I give you praise for all of these things in Jesus' name. And we said, amen. Now, our journey to understand the biblical aspects of joyous anticipation begins with the people of Israel, with the announcement of a king being born to them, nearly after nearly 400 years of silence. Also, this is called as the intertestimonial period where scholars note that there was no record of prophetic utterance, our record from the time of Malachi to Matthew. However, we want to enter into the story. Um, Our point of contact is gonna be the entry story of the Virgin Mary. Now we understand, as mentioned earlier in the series, Pastor Garfield talked about Mary's and Joseph's circumstance surrounding the introduction of how Jesus was going to enter the world. And we all know that that was very controversial. And though God had assured both of them not to be afraid through angelic encounters, he also set others before them to reassure them. So let's look at her story again in Luke 1, and we'll begin in verse 30. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. With the question posed by Mary on how could this be possible, the angels simply replied in Luke 1.35-37, Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. See, even though... Um, we are in this place where we're highlighting Mary's story. We're also seeing glimpse of the story of Elizabeth, her relative as well. And we understand that in, in the journey, Joseph's and Mary's brief hesitation, they did something that most of us find hard to do, submit our will. They submitted their will to God and were willing to follow his will and his instructions for them. Mary and Joseph's story demonstrates their joyous anticipation with a little hesitation. But it was a part of the Messiah's journey. Despite the controversial circumstances, the challenges that they may have encountered, God was evident, God was with them. Their faith, obedience to the divine guidance and humble acceptance of their role suggested that they were essential to the unfolding of our redemption story. Their journey, through their journey, Mary and Joseph exemplified the resilience of what we consider to be joyous anticipation in the face of their real-world difficulties, becoming instrumental figures in this story of God's plan for our salvation. This is a testament that sometimes, even in our hard places of surrender and obedience, you can encounter moments of joyous anticipation that will change the trajectory of your life. Now, as we move forward, we're going to be tapping back into the story of Elizabeth and the story of her pregnancy with John the Baptist. And here we have a different kind of joyous anticipation. We just read that God had performed what seemed to be impossible in in, um, Elizabeth's womb, reversing her barrenness to conceive a son. So let's go ahead and go to Luke 1, 41 through 45. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of the Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ear, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believes, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Have you ever been in a place where you're just overly excited for someone? They give you some good news and you're like, yes! Okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay. I know I do that a lot. And sometimes I'm sure that I scare some of you um, when you give me some news and I I just do this Yelp and like praise Jesus and stuff. And I see you go like this. Um, I'm just excited for you. That's all. I'm just overly excited for you. But this was kind of like, this is where, where Elizabeth was. Like she received her blessing, but at the same time, Her joy was so genuine. It was so contagious. I mean, her babe leaked from the excitement in the atmosphere. It also leaked for other reasons, but we'll we'll talk about that later on. Um, But here she is, so excited for Mary, acknowledging the fact that Mary was carrying the blessing of her Lord. This was a reminder to, to Mary. Remember I said in the, in, earlier that um, Mary and Joseph surrendered, but there was some hesitation at first. So God constantly sends reminders to reassure. Even John's leap of joy shows an intuitive response to the presence of the Messiah that will ultimately signify even his Destiny as a forerunner to prepare the way for Jesus. See, this sacred encounter highlights the divine connection between these two families and the spiritual awareness of the unborn John as well as Mary's role in the undeniable redemption story. Now, as we transition, the events surrounding from the events surrounding Jesus' birth, we will shift our gaze to the shepherds. We enter this story with the shepherds tending their sheep in the field when the angel appeared and told them where to find Jesus. Anybody knows what the the angel said to find him? It's not on the screen. You will find him in a... You will find him in a manger. It's okay, guys. We'll find him in an angel, and he will be wrapped in what? what? Yes. So they told him, they told the shepherds how to find Jesus. And we're going to pick up their story right after that in Luke 2, 10 through 20. And it says, and the angel of the Lord said to them, What? Thank you. (laughs) So as the angel said unto them, fear not, for for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day in the city of David, our Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find a baby lying. And suddenly there was a multitude. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased with. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said unto one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that were, had been told to them concerning this child." And all heard it, wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it had been, and as it had been told to them. See, it was their joyous anticipation. You guys are going to, this phrase is going to stick in you for the rest of this year hopefully into the new year, hopefully into the next year. But their joyous anticipation was marked by the sense of urgency and excitement, demonstrating an unwavering trust in, what the angelic, in the angelic message. For us, this should be an excitement of an urgency for us to share everything that God has shown us through our relationship with him. Everything that is written in his word, we should be excited about that. These shepherds became vessels of assurance and contagious joy. There, the word again, contagious joy. As they shared the news of what they had witnessed and were told by the angels and told what was, to, what was told to them by the angels to Mary and Joseph, those who heard were astonished and moved, as we see in Luke 2.18. Here's another assurance moment, because the scripture said what happened with Mary is, what was told to her, she treasured up all the things, and then she pondered them in her heart. Once again, we witness in this moment that through their obedience and their testimony, the shepherds became conduits of assurance and joy, influencing those around them and contributing to the atmosphere of wonder and celebration surrounding the birth of the Savior. Their role in Jesus' story speaks to the uh, transformative power of sharing glorious anticipation of encountering the Messiah. From the shepherds to the wise men, we find their story played out in Matthew 2. I know we're moving, we're moving a lot today, but I'm, I'm taking you on a journey. So in Matthew 2, we find them where they are inquiring about the newborn king. And this stirred some anxiety, some curiosity in Jerusalem, raising questions of um, legitimacy of Harold's kingship. Now, Harold is troubled, as you guys know, by this news. And he sees this as a potential rival. So he consults the chief priest and the scribes to understand the location of this prophesied birthplace of the Messiah. You can find that in Matthew 2 through, um, Matthew 2, 3 through 6. Herod pretends that he is interested in what? Worshipping the newborn king. But he harbors malicious intentions, seeking to eliminate any threat to his throne. So he in turn asks the wise men to inform him of the child's whereabouts. And once he finds him, and w- once they find him, after they heard the king, they just went on their way. And for the sake of this message, we're just going to concentrate on Matthew 2, 9b through 12. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. Till they came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with um, exceedingly great joy. And when they came into the house, they saw the young child with with Mary, his mother, and fell down to worship him. And when they had opened their treasures there, they presented gifts to uh, to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their country another way. Their interaction, um, these, the interactions between the wise men and Herod's reveals a contrast between genuine seekers of the Messiah and a ruler desperate to maintain power. However, God had a plan and anointing to the wise men, they will play a role in this unfolding drama, prompting both divine protection of Jesus in that moment and a tragic episode of in, okay, oh, in fantasize, in, fantasi, in genocides among the, the children in Bethlehem. Harris' deceitful actions highlight the political tensions around the arrival of the prophesied king, setting the stage for contrasting nature of Jesus' kingdom and the kingdoms of this world. See, the wise man's story shows us how to avoid and silence distractions while following the assignment that God has laid before us. And because of their blessings and obedience to Jesus' family, um, Jesus' family received resources during a time in which they had been isolated from their own home. And though the journey to Jesus and back home may have caused some delay in their journey, their anticipation not only blocked the plan of the enemy, but they became influential as a part of the story. Who can think about the story of Jesus without the what? The wise men and the shepherds. After the events surrounding Jesus' birth and the visit of the wise men, the gospel narratives remains relatively silent about his childhood and adolescence. We understand that he grew up in where? What did he grow up in? What was the town he grew up in? Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> he was known as the son of Joseph the Compreter and Mary. And we know the story of the miracle of the water into But there's no biblical information about the, span, about the time span from Christ's birth to the commencement of his public ministry. And, the peri- and that period is often refer- referred to as the silent years, the hidden years. Now these silent years hold a profound significance in the preparation of Jesus' ministry and the unfolding of the narrative of the redemption story as well as it accumulated in the emergence of the long-awaited Messiah. Can you imagine for 400 years there is complete silence and all of a sudden you have word that the king is here? Then you wait. and you wait, and you wait. <laughs> we know that Jesus goes until his public ministry around the, um, the age of 33 years old, so there is quite a bit of a time span between it. But there's preparation that had to take place, and we know that had to take place because of the life of John the Baptist. We are not revisiting him all over again. The last time we met him was when he was a babe. This time we are meeting him as not just John the babe, but John the Baptist. In Luke 4, I mean Luke 1 56, uh, 57 through66. You can read that on your own time. Just mark it down. That was Luke 1. 57 through 66, I'm going to give you a couple of different scriptures that you can study and and follow this story. Elizabeth gives birth to him, to, to John, and the joy and the gladness mentioned by the angels becomes evident there. His life unfolds in a manner that fulfills the angelic proclamation and his unique calling as the forerunner becomes more apparent. So we fast forward to Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Matthew um, 3, 13 through 17. The moment when Jesus, now an adult, approaches John the Baptist for baptism. Now John hesitates, recognizing the profound difference between the two of them. But Jesus insists, saying, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. But I want to go and pick up John's story in John 1 as well. See, around uh, verse 23, we find John the Baptist trying to explain to the Pharisees that he is not Elijah, that he is not the Messiah. He is not, is he a prophet? But he is the one to prepare the way of the Lord. And finally, we see his interaction with his moment of joyous anticipation as he sees Jesus coming from afar in John 1:29. And it says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I do not know him, I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I come baptizing with water, and John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. That's same, joyous moment that was displayed when John was in his mother's womb, translated to baptizing Jesus and proclaiming that there was evidence that Jesus is the Son of God. And the correlation between John's encounter in the womb and his role in the baptism of Jesus lies a continuity of the Holy Spirit's presence and purpose. John was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb, and that is highlighted in one um, Luke 1:13 through 15. Then he goes to become the one who baptizes Jesus, and in, the mo- in that moment, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. This event marks the official beginning of Jesus' public ministry from birth to the years of silence to now him walking in his public ministry. And the connection between John's um, filling of the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb into the baptism of Jesus uh, underscores a divine orchestration of events. It symbolizes the passing of the prophetic mantle from one who is prepared to lead the way to the one who is the way. John's role with Jesus' baptism was also um, not just a symbolic act, but again, it's always another part of Jesus, of God's redemptive plan. Now, where do we stand in this story? What is our part in this story? Here's where we find ourselves in the redemption story. From the birth of Jesus to the anticipation of his return, we are active participants, recipients of grace, heralds of the joyous news. And our joyous anticipation for the return of our King is both anchored in hope and a call to live faithfully in the light of the redemption story. Our response to this story involves faith in the finished work of Christ, hope in his imminent return, obedience to his teaching. We actively participate in the kingdom building work, sharing the good news, sharing the redemption story with others, and living in the manner that reflects the love and grace we receive from our Redeemer. So, where do you see yourself in this narrative of joyous anticipation? Are you like Mary? Was it a difficult choice? Well, are you like Mary, faced with a difficult choice, but you accept the challenge anyway, knowing the cost, but understanding the promise? Understanding that God will continue to send people your way to reassure you and remind you that your promise was not only for you, but it's for those who you encounter, sometimes it's for generations beyond you. Are you like Elizabeth, anticipating the arrival of your own blessing, but in the midst, you extend your joy unto Mary, who might be anxiously anticipating what's going to happen next? Are you like the shepherds? Busy doing your own things, working, going to school, getting married, planning your future. You're in the midst of doing life. When God comes and says, I need you to come and see. I need you to drop everything. The requirement is to drop everything and come and obey. But like the shepherds, if you obey, you never know what this one unselfish act of obedience could turn into a tidal wave of joy in others with your testimony. You could be a vessel of God's reassurance and his conduit of continuous joy. Are you like the wise men? who refuse to allow anything to hinder or distract, block the plans of God for their journey? Are their eagerness to witness and be close to the essence of God, honoring God with their treasures and with their life? Perhaps you didn't find yourself in the story. And you just desire to encounter what this joyous anticipation could be. Now, all of us, God is speaking to us through this Advent season. And He is drawing us closer, He is pulling us nearer to come to see the miraculous things that He has done. To witness and be a part of his kingdom that brings salvation, that brings hope, that brings promise, that brings peace. To be a part of a kingship that rests in this place of continuous, joyous, undeniable, unrestrained, anticipation of the second coming of our Christ Lord and Savior if you found yourself any any of those parts that um, I just talked about if you can just raise your hand if you're online you can just do a real you know if you're in the room you can do a real real simple and if you're online Just give us a thumbs up or send us a message later and let us know that, hey, I was that person. I saw myself. I wanna know what that continuous joyous anticipation is. Because sometimes anticipation for me is not joyous. It might be anxiety, but that's not what God wants. God's the biblical foundation of what this joyous anticipation was highlighted in the lives of those we spoke about today. You can still have joyous anticipation, even in the midst of looking at the circumstances around you because your eyes are centered on God. Your eyes are focused on what God is saying. You're moving and breathing in accordance to God's spirit. I'm just going to go ahead and do a prayer over you guys. And then we're going to move into a time of communion. Heavenly Father, we heard all the narratives of your redemption story today. From Mary to Elizabeth to John the shepherds, the wise men, and bringing it back to the place of John where he was a forerunner for Christ. Lord, I ask that in this moment wherever people see themselves, I ask that you meet them where they are, Lord God. I ask that you allow your ministering angels to speak into their ear gates, to reassure them that everything that you have promised and you spoke unto them shall come to completion. Your word is undeniable. Your grace is undeniable. And today, Lord God, we rejoice. We say thank you for taking of yourself to come down in the flesh, to live among us, to show us the way, Lord God, to show us how to love, to show us how to care, to show us what true salvation and being a part of a kingdom family should be. Lord, I ask that in this season, if people are heavy, I ask that you lift every heavy burden right now, Lord God, that you touch their hearts, Lord God, that you that you just overwhelm them with your peace, you overwhelm them with your love, that they fill you, Lord God, in this season. And we thank you, God. We thank you for the Marys that might be in the room or online, Lord God. We know that sometimes things are hard, But if we know that, if we hold on to your word, Lord God, we know we have a greater promise ahead. Lord, even those who are in the room who are those Elizabeths, Lord, let them continue to be contagious. Let them continue to spread your love and your joy, Lord God, even to the broken, Lord God. Let them enter into a room and those people who are feeling heaviness be lifted in the name of Jesus. Those who are busy with life, Lord God, let them have an encounter with you. Let you pause them just for a moment so they can just be in awe of your grace, of your mercy, of who you are. And Lord, there can never be another John the Baptist, but Lord, we say those who are eager to be used by you, Lord God. That should be all of us, eager to be used by you to set way for the second coming of our Lord and Savior, to be able to reach the nations, to go to the corners of the world, to even go to our next door neighbor and share the love of God, share the gospel with them. People in in our neighborhoods, in our grocery stores, Lord God, at our schools, at our jobs, Lord God, let there be a place where your presence can be known. Lord, we thank you for all of these and we give you praise, not only because of what you have done, but what you're going to do, not only for us, but for the generations that come after us. Let us be atmosphere changers, setting your kingdom here on earth. We thank you, give you praise for Jesus' name. Amen.